This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. And as a matter of fact, it's going to be from this point a very short 30 years when the nation of Israel will lose all its power to govern itself, which will happen in 70 AD when the Roman general Titus will come and destroy Israel and the Jewish people will be scattered throughout the world in what's called the Great Diaspora. And for 2,000 years, there would be no nation of Israel. For 2,000 years, there would be no government of the Jewish people of the nation of Israel. Because from today, 4,000 years ago, Jacob, on his deathbed, with the limited number of words that he could speak before he died, he saw, at that time, the coming of the Messiah, and he saw the time that the Messiah would come just before Jacob died. He said this in Genesis 49.10, Genesis 49.10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. That's what Jacob said just before he died, that the scepter would not depart from Judah and the lawgiver be from, so what does all that mean? It means that on his deathbed, he made the prophecy where the scepter, the ruling rod, would not depart out of the hand of the Jews. The government, a government to rule the Jewish people would not depart out of the hands of the Jews, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. The Jewish people would not lose their ability to make laws, government laws, and rule with those laws with the scepter. Uh, it would not leave the Jewish people until the Messiah came. Shiloh is the Messiah until Messiah came. And in verse one, the fact that they're having to discuss how they're gonna uh, uh, accomplish the death of Jesus, the capital punishment here, shows that they have already have beginning to lose this power to govern themselves, a lawgiver from between the rule, the scepter. And so it's gonna, so, now that the state of Israel has reformed since, since 70 some odd years ago, 1948, May 14th, 1948, now the state of Israel has reformed after 2,000 years, it's come together, and it is today in the same place 
that the government was in verse one, saying that if you go to, to this person, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, then you cease to be part of the people of God. You know what's so ironic about this? Jacob just said the opposite. He just said that to the Messiah, Shiloh, that the people would be gathered together. Unto him shall be the gathering of the people. That's what he said in Genesis 49.10. Genesis 49.10. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. But in verse one, the chief priests and the elders were meeting to decide how they were going to see carried out the sentence of death if they weren't allowed by the Romans to execute it. In other words, they were saying, anybody who goes to Jesus, unto him shall be the scattering of the people, unto him shall be the repelling of the people. They're not gonna be part of the people anymore. You're not gonna be a Jew anymore if you go to Jesus. That's what they were saying, and that's what they're still saying today. You know? But Jacob said, just the opposite. Unto him shall be the gathering of the people. All right. Now, in verse two, it said, we read these words, when they had bound him, when they had bound him. That means they tied his hands. They tied the hands of Jesus behind him. Christ was bound with his hands behind his back already in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's what they did there. When he was first arrested. Now, but when he was in the court of the Sanhedrin being questioned, he was untied. He was untied, he was allowed to stand there and defend himself, and if he wanted to speak and use his hands to say, you know, this and that, you know, everything was free. But now that they've given the sentence of death and they've decided, so he's tied again with the rope that's binding his hands behind his back. He's tied, Christ is tied. Christ is bound, is what it means there in verse two. What a scene, what a picture, freeze that picture. Jesus, the Messiah, bound with his hands behind his back. Jesus, the Almighty God, bound with his hands behind his back. I mean, we see the all-powerful Jesus Christ bound with his hands tied behind his back. He's bound, it reminds us of another person in the Bible, a powerful person, Samson. In Judges 16.8, Judges 16.8, then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green writhes, which had not been dried, and she bound him, Delilah bound Samson, she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and he break the writhes as a thread of tow is broken when it touches the fire. So his strength was not known. So there was Samson who was bound with cords and one flinch of his muscles and those cords came off him like fire touched them. The cords could not hold Samson. Here's Jesus Christ with infinitely more power available to him than Samson. And those cords that are binding Jesus Christ could have been in an instant disintegrated. Disintegrated, just like what happened with Samson. But those cords were not disintegrated and because the cords that held Jesus Christ because for one reason, and that reason was because Jesus Christ chose to be bound. He chose, he chose to be bound. It says in Psalms 
bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. So that's what they did. They took the sacrifice, the live animals, and bound them to the four points of the altar, stretched them out there. And Jesus Christ is now bound. And you say, what were the bands that held him there? They were bands described in Hosea 11.4. Hosea 11.4, where he says, as Jehovah Jesus in this place, Hosea 11.4, I drew them with cords of a man with bands of love. And I was to them as, the, as they that take off the yoke on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. So if Jesus Christ broke those cords that tied his hands, he would have broken his love for Israel because, because Romans 5, 8, Romans 5 says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. On the surface, in that court there, it looked like there was only one person who was bound there and tied up, and that was Jesus Christ. Looked like that. But in reality, Jesus Christ in that courtroom was not the only one bound and tied up because every person in that court, including you and I, and also you and I, and also you and I, are bound or tied up. Why? Because of Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 that says, all have sinned. Them, us, me, you, everyone in that court, you and I, we have all sinned. And Jesus Christ said about that sin, a consequence of sin, in John 8.34, John 8.34 Jesus answered them saying, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. He's a servant of sin. He's tied up by sin. Sin tied up, each one of them in that court, sin is tied up, you and me, all of us, because sin is more addictive than heroin. Sin holds a person in bondage Proverbs 5.22, Proverbs 5.22 says, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. There was only one person in that Sanhedrin court that day that was not bound with the cords of his own sin and that was Jesus Christ. Everybody else was bound with the cords of his own sin. And there was only one person in that Sanhedrin court on that day that gave himself to be bound with the ropes, and that was Jesus Christ. And he did it willingly so that everyone in that court, and you, and I, and all of us, would have an opportunity, a chance, to be freed from the cords of our own sin that tie us up. And when Jesus Christ allowed himself to be bound and led to his suffering, he would be the one asking a prophetic question in, in Lamentations 1.12, Lamentations 1.12, when he would be asking this question, Lamentations 1.12, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? 
Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above hath he sent fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against them. He hath spread a net for my feet, he hath turned me back, he hath made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand. They are wreathed and come up upon my neck. He hath made my strength to fall. The Lord hath delivered me into their hands for whom I am not able, from whom I am not able to rise up. His sorrow was unmatched, unmatched. There would be no one to comfort him in his sorrow. It felt like there was fire in his bones. And he, as he took all of our sins and transgressions on him, and we look at him, we see our transgressions that caused his hands to be bound, and we say that it was my transgressions that bound him in his hands. That's what it means when it says in Lamentations 1.14, Lamentations 1.14, the yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand. And, and, they will, and then they're gonna take and make a crown of thorns. Later on, they're gonna make a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and that crown of thorns is like our sins all tied together into a crown of thorns. And when that crown of thorns goes in his head, Jesus Christ will say about our sins in that crown of thorns, Lamentations 1.14, Lamentations 1.14, they are wreathed, the transgressions are wreathed and come up upon my head. And now, being overcome by his enemies because of our transgressions, and what God the Father is doing to him there in making Jesus Christ the sacrifice for our sins will cause Jesus Christ to say in Lamentations 1.14, Lamentations 1.14, he's made my strength to fall. The Lord has delivered me into their hands from whom I am not able to rise up. He was bound with cords, ropes, those cords in verse two, so that we can be freed from the ropes of our sins. And then we read these, these words in verse two, verse two, they led him away. They tie him up, now they lead him away. And now he's bound like an animal, and they're leading Jesus Christ away, just like he's described in Isaiah 53.7. Isaiah 53.7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation? He was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. So just as a sacrificial lamb was led away to the slaughter, Jesus Christ in verse two is led away. And Jesus Christ was in that Sanhedrin court that day. And that was like a prison. And finally, Jesus Christ was taken from that Sanhedrin court prison to Pilate 
just like the prophecy in Isaiah 53, 8, Isaiah 53, it says, he was taken from prison. And the words that Jesus Christ heard was his judgment in Matthew 26, 26, Matthew 26, 26, 66, Matthew 26, 66, when they said, he's guilty of death. And that, he was taken away to Pilate, just like the prophecy says in Isaiah 53, 8, Isaiah 53, 8, he was taken from judgment. They just, they said he's guilty of death, then he's taken, that's the judgment. Then he was taken from judgment. And what will happen? What's gonna happen? Isaiah 53, 8, Isaiah 53, 8, he was cut off out of the land of the living. Many saw his, him there, and they saw his innocence, and they asked the question, why? Why? That question, why, is now answered by God the Father in Isaiah 53, 8. Isaiah 53, 8, God the Father steps in and he says, I'll answer that question for you. Why? In Isaiah 53, 8, God the Father says, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. That's why. Now it's morning and the city of Jerusalem is now awake and they're leading him away. And as they led him away through the streets of Jerusalem, everybody saw he was shamed as they led him through the streets of Jerusalem. He was shamed. It reminds me of what happened to two 14-year-old boys in, in Loretto. They were on the, on the beach in the water, and they, they were calling out some American tourists, and they were doing lewd things in the water there. And so the police came, his two Loretto boys, the police came with their pickup truck and the rack in the back there, and they drove that on the sand. They drove the, the police truck there, and I saw that. I saw them. Anyway, and they called those boys, come out of the water there. Those boys came out, and they took those boys, and they handcuffed them to the rack, the upper rail of the rack. And then the police drove through all the streets of the city back and forth with a loudspeaker and announced to all the city what the boys were doing there. They shamed the boys. The boys never did that again, but they, they shamed the boys in the city. So Christ was led through the streets of Jerusalem, and he was shamed as they led him through there. Just like Paul said what happened to him and the other believers in 1 Corinthians 4.9, 1 Corinthians 4.9, where Paul said, I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. What's he saying there? He's saying that, that, that the apostles were shamed, shamed and made a spectacle unto the world and God has set forth the apostles. So it was with Christ. He was set forth as a spectacle there in Jerusalem to be shamed. Well, after they led Christ through the, through the streets of Jerusalem, after they made him a spectacle of shame, we read in verse two, in verse two, that they delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Now, what a scene that is. Oh, man. 
the Jewish people with their Messiah delivering him to Pilate? The Jewish people with their God delivering him to Pilate? The Jewish people with their king delivering him to Pilate? Now, Pontius Pilate here is very significant. It's not just that he happens to be the Roman ruler, which he was, governor there. But Pontius Pilate, in that position, represents the Gentiles. Pontius Pilate represents the Gentiles. How could the Jewish people take their most prized possession, their Messiah, their God, their king, and deliver him to the Gentiles? How could they do that? I don't know, but that's what they did. That's what they did. And as the Jewish people delivered their Messiah, their God, their king to the Gentiles, in this scene here, the Gentiles, this Pontius Pilate, he accepts the Messiah of the Jews, and the Gentiles accept. They call him Christ, he's the Messiah, they call him Christ. Many Gentiles did accept him as their savior. The Gentiles did accept from the Jews their God in Jesus Christ. Many Gentiles say Jesus Christ is God. The Gentiles did accept from the Jews their king. Many Gentiles have made Jesus Christ the king of their lives. But when the Jews did deliver Jesus Christ to the Gentile Pontius Pilate, it was also, and then the Gentile Romans then kill him, you know, like in, in Israel one time, they asked the question and said, did the Jews kill Christ? No, the Italians did. <laughs> said, well, they didn't do that. That made the Gentiles have a hand in putting Jesus Christ to death. So now, both the Jews who delivered him to be killed and the Gentiles who carried out the execution both have a hand in his death. Why? Because Jesus Christ did not die for just the sins of the Jews, but Jesus Christ also died for the sins of the Gentiles. 1 John 2.2, 1 John 2.2. He's the propitiation, he's the sacrifice for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. John 1.29, John 1.29. Very Jewish scene there in John 1, calling the, the Jews, the disciples, the Jewish disciples. And in that scene, it says, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of Israel? No. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, Jews and Gentiles. It was Gentiles in Samaria who found out this great truth and said in John 4.42, John 4.42, they said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. So it was because Jesus Christ was the savior of the world, the world of both Jews and Gentiles, that both Jews and Gentiles had a hand in putting him to death. And, and this is, and so Matthew 
27, two, verse two, so verse two, and when they had bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor, and Jesus Christ saw clearly how both the Jews and the Gentiles would both have their hand, so to speak, on that hammer as they drove those nails into to his death, and he told them that in Mark 10, 23. He told his disciples in Mark 10, 33, behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.